I'm Jonathan Lehman. And I'm Mark Dever. <laughs> and with uh, Mark and me are H.B. Charles, pastor of Shiloh Church, and you are? Tabidi Anyabili, Anacostia River Church. Tabidi Anacostia. I get it slower and deeper. Yeah. Uh, and happier. Uh, Warmer. I, I can't do that. Tabidi Anyabili, pastor of Anacostia River Church. That's right. And welcome to this episode of Nine Marks Pastors Talk. Nine Marks exists to equip church leaders with a biblical vision and practical resources for building healthy churches. Guys, I want to talk about the pastor's prayer life. Why is a prayerless pastor an oxymoron? I, I, I don't know if they're an oxymoron. I think they're probably fairly plentiful if I believe the statistics on prayer and pastors' lives. I don't think that's too, I mean, I think that's to our shame. Um, but I, I think John O. Uh, addressed the conference earlier and gave those sort of four reasons why people struggle uh, in prayer from bitterness to blessedness. Um, and I think the pastor's not immune to that. Uh, busyness is part of it. Um, I do think in some cases, many of us pastors, um, we wind up becoming pastors before we've ever been thoroughly discipled ourselves. And so I think there are a lot of pastors whose devotional lives are, are, are lopsided because they've actually not had, to ha had the experience of an older, mature Christian or pastor really walking with them through the basics of communing with Christ um, and the disciplines of the spiritual life. And so um, that brother is, is limping along in some ways, patching things in their own spiritual life, even as they're mm -hmm. trying to help the people of God uh, patch and grow uh, in that way. So I think it's probably a number of reasons. I like that idea of an older pastor training, teaching. I want to come back to that. But H.B., Mark, why is prayerless pastor an oxymoron? Well, it certainly should be an oxymoron. That's what I'm getting at. I think uh, a good summary of the pastor's work is the statement of the apostles in Acts 6, verse 4. I have it on my phone to read it. That we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Yeah. And both of those are just essential tasks of the pastor. They are essential to everything else that we do as pastors. And both of them are critical. I, was once asked, you know, what's more important for the pastor, prayer or the ministry of the word? And my answer was, if you're 30,000 feet in the plane, what's more important, the left wing or the right wing? You know, if one malfunctions, you are going down. And even faithful proclamation can puff up the pastor, can see no spiritual fruit if it is not bathed in believing prayer that yeah. expresses our dependence upon God. And so uh, prayer is critical. Prayer is the work of the pastor. Go ahead, Thabiti. Oh, I just think that's so good, and I, and I think that's, that's so right. Um, we, I think we do live in an age where there's so much emphasis on preaching, 
and such regard for preaching, particularly in our circles, and so little attention to prayer, that I think we create the impression that you can fly that plane uh, with one wing. Um, and I'm not sure that many pastors would have on their job description, Acts 6, yeah. prayer, right? Um, it's kind of assumed um, and not prioritized. And, and so no wonder it's, it's maybe not as plentifully enjoyed as we, would, as we would hope it to be. What strikes me about Acts 6 is there's division in the church, which is a big deal. And there's division in the church seemingly along ethnic lines, which is a big deal. You know, you'd, you'd think the pastor would want to jump in and like, okay, we're going to do something here because this is a big deal. And yet they say, verse 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Help us understand that connection between those two wings, brothers. Why prayer? Why ministry of the word as, what's the connection? There is one place where um, the religious leaders confront Jesus and um, with a question, he gives them an answer, but before he answers, I believe it's Matthew 22, 29, he says, you err because you know not the scriptures or the power of God. And you will stray away from truth, safety, virtue, if you are not dependent upon both the truth of God's word and the power of God and the means by which we are enabled by God to live out our faith, resist temptation, serve faithfully, suffer joyfully, witness confidently, is accessed through prayer. And so prayer becomes, in that regard, essential to the work that we do, even in our proclamation of the truth. They, they both have to go together. I, the old cliche, before you talk to men about God, talk to God about men. Um, I, I think there, there's a great deal of truth in, in that little saying. Yeah. Um, it, it's essential to have to cultivate uh, a faithful prayer life as a pastor because we don't at all have the wisdom to tend to souls and hearts the way God does. Uh, and in fact, our own souls and hearts need to be tended before we attempt to work in the lives of others via the ministry of the word and shepherding and so on. Um, and so there's, a, there's an adjustment, there's a reorientation, there's this notion of, of, of power uh, that, that in God's kindness is granted in part as a consequence of, of prayer and, and petition. And we, and we ought not neglect that. Uh, we, we neglect that to our own peril and the, the peril of the church uh, in that way. And, and I just want to encourage brothers, I, I think that's true even of faltering, stumbling, ineffective, um, clawing through the mud prayer. Pray for your prayer life. Fight in your prayer life. It isn't, the scriptures doesn't teach us that if your prayers, as someone said earlier, is particularly eloquent, right? If it's fine sounding, then you have power. Now we, we may be like, you know, the sinner striking his breast, you know, to ashamed to look up to heaven, saying, Lord, yeah. have mercy, Lord, have yeah. mercy. Um, and the Lord grants mercy and grace in, in response to those faltering prayers. And so... Uh, I think it's, it's more important that we pray than that we be eloquent in prayer. I'd love each, 
each of you, all three of you, to share what processes you've put into place to help you pray consistently, fervently for yourself, for your family, for your church. Uh, what do you guys do? I understand none of these things are biblical writ. I understand that this is what works for you, but what works for you? That might be instructive for others. Well, um, I mean, I've kept prayer cards in the past and prayer lists now in my membership directory, and I just in my mind have a list of things that I begin praying through. But just a couple of other comments. I think, um, you know, on the clawing thing, uh, which, I, which I, I know I feel at times, I'm so helped by trying to pray from Scripture that D.A. Carson book, Praying with Paul, saying Paul's prayers. So I don't have to be creative and eloquent myself. I can look at what I see God valuing in His Word, and I can pick those things up and transpose them onto my day, my week, my congregation, my family, the people in the membership directory that I'm praying through or whatever I'm praying about at that time. I also want to just say what I hope is an encouraging word. Uh, I find being a pastor drives me to prayer. I'm scared I wouldn't have as good a prayer life if I weren't a pastor. Uh, I find myself above my head, you know, just in troubles more than once a day, literally brothers, more than once a day. And I, I think I naturally turn to the Lord. I mean, I it's a supernaturally. I'm sure I don't do as much as I should, but uh, there's, there's no show to it. There's no, I'm not trying to impress anybody. Most times I assume it's never seen, but I just, I would not even begin to know how to pastor. And honestly, when people ask me for advice, I usually don't even give them advice. I ask them some questions and, you know, pray. And, but for whatever wisdom I do have, and I am regularly feeling I'm in situations that have exceeded my wisdom, I am praying for it. And they may not be long prayers, uh, but it is, it, you know, Danny was talking to us earlier from First Thessalonians 5. It, to me, it feels pretty much, if it's not praying without ceasing, it's praying a whole bunch. Uh, you know, every week, every, every day, and I'm not exaggerating. And I'm guessing a lot of pastors in here feel that same way. Brothers, you two, what structures, processes do you put in place that help you? Well, I want to pick up where Mark is. I'm glad he said it. It, it set me free. I feel that way. Um, I, I'm often feeling like Paul, who's sufficient for these things? Yep. Sufficiency comes from God. Turn to God in prayer. Uh, that's, that's, that could be wrestling with a text. That could be uh, a counseling appointment that's about to happen or I'm that in the middle of or impromptu conversation that a member just turned into a counseling session. I just, so many things well beyond mm -hmm. anything remotely close to my ability mm -hmm. and, and my wisdom. Um, and so there's a, a sanctifying pressure, I think, in, in pastoral ministry that should, should prompt us, lest we're dead, should prompt us to pray. Somebody brings a correction to you that you don't even initially agree with, but you're not sure they're wrong. It's not like saying there are four gods. You say there's just one. Well, no, not stuff like that. But just saying like, hey, you really mishandled that, that, that meeting because this is what that person really meant. And you're thinking, well, I don't think so, but I don't know, maybe. And I mean, just... I find stuff like that all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. In one sense, we are in over our heads, and we need God's help to bear us up in our work. Sometimes, and, and I believe this is true of weekly sermon preparation and the teaching responsibilities we have as pastors, and I think it's 
true in the prayer responsibilities that we have, that this is a part of God's sanctifying work in our own lives. And there are times we need to be praying to be lifted up, and we also need to be praying to be brought down. Um, the passage that I'll speak on whenever my mystery moment is to speak <laughs> is, you know, it's one of the places where, of many, where Paul says, pray for me. Yeah. And it's just always humbling to hear the Apostle Paul say, in many instances, to people he led to Christ, I need you to pray for me. And uh, we needed to lift us up, and we need prayer to, to bring us down uh, as well. Um, both of them are, are critical. It's funny, I, I really appreciate all of your answers. When I asked the question, I was thinking stuff like you started with, oh, prayer cards or membership directory. But the way you guys all responded is more like a soldier in battle. Like, yeah, I'm shooting my gun, I'm getting shot at. Like, what do you expect? You know, when do you shoot your gun? I mean, I'm when really, they're shooting I'm, at me. I really am concerned that if there comes a day when I stop pastoring, that it, I'm really concerned about what it will do to my prayer life desperation of the pastorate well, drives yeah, you. It's not like I don't know the Lord. I don't love Him. I, I, I do. I was praying before I was a pastor. I assume I'll keep praying. But I, I do feel like yeah. the role the Lord has called me to regularly, I find myself in situations where my desperation that He always sees is obvious even to me. Yeah. And I'm a little concerned if I'm on vacation for a week or a month, it may not be so obvious. Well, in, in the text that I'll preach, Lord willing, um, desperation figures very prominently in, in the sort of impulse to pray. Um, and I think this will be free. It was going to be in the sermon, but I'll give it to you now. Uh, I, I think one of the reasons we don't pray more often is we don't feel ourselves as desperate as we really are, right? Um, and so in the ministry, the Lord has a, a gracious way, I think, of often stripping back the curtain so you can see the desperation uh, and be driven to prayer. Um, more frequently than perhaps than if you didn't have those, um, those inputs. You're trying to get us to answer the sort of structure and the routine question a little bit. I or, like your answers. Yeah. Just, just to comment on that for a second, sure. though, is I, I've done different things at different times. Um, and I know there's Were some you people… you taught something as a young Christian that you adopted immediately? Yeah, see, this is interesting. So my, my own experience as a young Christian… Was, was sort of growing in a situation where I didn't have a lot of older Christians, excuse me, so reading lots of books on prayer. And, here in and adopting, Raleigh. Here in Raleigh, and adopting things that were suggested in way of method and doing that for a while and that growing cold and feeling the freedom to change and do something different. Um, and so I, I, I guess there's some folks for whom the discipline and the structure just kind of seems to consistently serve them. But there are many folks, I think, for whom um, they just need to feel free to change things and do something different um, and, and, and do that intentionally as a way of shaking themselves a bit and refreshing their commitment in prayer. HB, you were a young pastor, and now you're a less younger pastor. Uh, he's still a young pastor. <laughs> How has your prayer life as a pastor changed over the years through the seasons? Wow, that's a good question. I um, would say two big things have uh, affected me. One is just 
the uh, impact that the years of scripture uh, study has had on my prayers. Um, you gave away praying with Paul and it, it just reading that book, I think it was under another title when I read it. Um, Called the Spiritual Reformation. Yeah, just kind of rocked my world because there's a sense in which you, if you kind of grew up in church, you pray by imitating the prayers of others that you hear. And to be in prayer meetings where basically we are praying about physical, material, circumstantial things, and to be spending time in the scriptures and, and um, see the spiritual priorities with which Paul prays. And then the Psalms, the, the, the honesty of the Psalms in prayer, where in the Psalm he could, you know, one moment be praising the Lord and then, you know, a few verses later, like, Lord, where are you? <laughs> uh, those have just aided me. Um, and I just feel like my spiritual growth, I trust over the years and my growing, deepening confidence that God really does have everything under control. Yeah. It's an amazing thing that some people question why they should pray if that's the truth. But this is the hope of prayer. This yeah. is the joy of prayer, that we are praying to the God who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think according to the power that's already at work in us. Uh, just that growing confidence is an encouragement to, to pray. Pagans pray. Pagans say, help me with my test. Help me to get into the universe, university or whatever, right? But, but, but a difference between a, a non-Christian prayer and a Christian prayer, hopefully in time and increasingly, what you're testifying to is it's conforming itself to the line of Scripture, right? Scripture's confessions, Scripture's lamentations, Scripture's praises, Scripture's ambitions. And so in that sense, your experience, brother, of growing in uh, uh, biblical terms, whether it's Paul or the Psalms, I think should typify all of us, right, as, as we age. They're becoming more biblical. Just a quick curiosity question, turn it back on you for a moment. You had one season where for a few months you were pastoring a church, uh, and I'm, you know, as the main preacher. Yeah. Did you feel any change in your prayer life during that time, during those months? I've never thought about that. I know I was, I don't know that I did, brother. I know when I was, I, I, I think I can say by God's grace, I was faithful in praying for the church. I don't recall, I'd have to think about that more. He knew he was coming back home. Well, that's true, yeah. it was temporary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you uh, know, only when, here six months. <laughs> when you have, when you have a godly Thanks older, when you have a godly older man, after Wednesday night Bible study, come up and yell at you and say bad things with other people standing there, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. You know, I, I'm not going to answer him back. You know, I don't really want to go repeat it all to Connie. Yeah. I better go pray. Amen. Uh, Thabiti, you mentioned having older men positively disciple you, or the fact that we at least need that. Is that something you experienced? Is that something you try to uh, provide for others? 
in general with regard to prayer or? In prayer. Yeah, so before Christ, um, the most shaping tutelage in prayer I had was learning to pray as a Muslim. Um, and making salat five times a day and being faithful at that and, and all that good stuff. So when the Lord saved me, I, I think one of the things that um, slowly had to be worked out of my system was the kind of rigidity of religious form and exercise in Islam. Yeah. To move from prescription to freedom uh, in something like prayer. So there was part of that that had to be happening in my heart that wasn't about the people around me at all. It was about the Lord just having to teach me for, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourself be entangled again by a yoke of slavery. Right? So that's probably the biggest change in, in my life of prayer over my, you know, however many decades now. Uh, it's learning a kind of freedom before the Lord and a comfort before the Lord, and reminding myself and, and laying hold of the privilege and the joy it is to pray. So I, in my old, in, in, in my sort of sinful nature, I'm, I'm just thinking about duty, right, in, in, in all the wrong ways, and, and resenting it, yeah. and having to be reminded, as John O said earlier, I get to address the God of the universe, right, and talk about whatever. Um, enjoy that. And so that's part of the, the hard work that I have to do. In terms of passing it on to younger men or other guys, yeah, I try to disciple other guys. I think the main way I do that is praying with them, um, recommending good things to read and discuss with regard to prayer, um, trying to model prayer uh, in our services corporately, or to model prayer when I'm meeting with them in Bible study or a small group or what have you. Um, so all those kinds of things. But again, and this may be owing to my own past, but I don't have like a hyper-structured way of doing that as much as trying to walk together and learn to pray together. Would you guys, I mean, all of you are describing this like, oh, I, just, I have to pray because of, of desperate situations or join the Lord. Would you, would you say to the brother, pastor, who's like, yeah, I just, it, it, it's been a dry season. I'm not feeling it right now. I'm not feeling the desperation. I'm not feeling, would you say to him, well, put those structures in place, do your duty, anyhow? I would, but I, I would also say, pray about that sense of numbness or dryness. Yeah. If, if, if you're in a season, I, I think, recognize that as something um, that's not optimal, that's, that's, that's not necessarily healthy, that, that there's better for us. Um, and so to put on your prayer agenda uh, some, something of a request about personal revival uh, and being refreshed in the Lord and being awakened to things, uh, to be brought low, because that, oftentimes that's a kind of pride, I think, a kind of self-sufficiency that grows up in our hearts, or, or even a complacency. Um, and so to pray that the Lord would unearth those things that need to be unearthed and to, to move them so they're no longer clogging things um, and so that you, you feel afresh and are engaged afresh in that way. So do your duty, but I would, I would encourage that pastor to pray about their spiritual state in that way. That's where singing can also help to raise the affections, as we were just thinking about in Shai's message. And not only that, I think the aid to that is for men in dry periods 
is um, uh, an aid for me has been just turning up as well corporate prayer with others. And that uh, fellowship in prayer, that accountability in prayer, that encouragement to, to pray yeah. um, has been a means that God has used to pull me out of some of those dry times in my own, in my own life and ministry. I, I said to these guys recently in a, in a different setting, uh, in, in a dry season, I've had to lean on my wife and say, okay, honey, I just need you to be praying with me more because I was, I was in a dry season. And in the same as the church, leaning on the church. I think leaning on your spouse is something you can do. Um, any last comments you guys have on a pastor and his prayer life? John 17, prayer is a privilege. The Father and the Son and the Spirit, by implication, are inviting us into the same loving fellowship they had before the worlds were created. Hmm. Oh, what a joyful thing. That's a good last word. Brothers, thank you for your time. You want to say amen? <laughs> you can also listen to the Shiloh CD with uh, our brother H.B. Jr. on there, leading in song sometimes.